everyone. Um, this is Tara, and this is God Talk with Tara, the podcast. Um, and apparently you can find me on a lot of different podcast sites now, but not all of them. Uh, and there's been a couple of problems with some folks with their players, especially coming out of the Facebook app. So if you find yourself having trouble, please feel free to reach out. Um, there should be contact information on the website. You can find me on Facebook at Tara Ertz. Um, and there's probably other ways. So if you run into any trouble, please, 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 um, say a prayer first because <laughs> the Lord is often able to fix our technological difficulties so that those who need to hear his voice will. Um, and so I pray that you would join me in that, that he would knock down all the walls between those who need to hear and what he has to say, not just here, but everywhere. I am so delighted. I have heard reports today that <laughs> revival may be breaking out again once, it, uh, once again in Asbury. Um, Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky is a um, theologically orthodox Wesleyan school um, and seminary in Kentucky. And back in the 70s, I believe it was, there was a revival that woke, broke out there that started with a prayer meeting and kept going for quite some time. And as I understand it, it was a heavy influence on a lot of um, the evangelism that happened in the years that followed. So I pray, Father God, that that is an awakening continuing and that those reports are just going to continue, Lord, that you are bringing about that touch of your spirit in the people at Asbury and that it will flow out from there, Father. Your people are thirsty for the living waters. We just ask that you would pour them out, Father, flood flood our hearts with that. Uh, and we just ask that that would be a touch point for revival and for awakening, for a deep move of your spirit, Father, not just a, a something to make us feel good, Father, but things that, that transform our lives and transform our societies. Lord God, I pray that your people tonight would encounter the living, risen Christ, and they would encounter him in ways, Father, that free them from their oppressions, that free them from the bondage of sin, that free them, Lord God, to joyfully serve you, to joyfully bring you glory, Lord. I pray that that would be the case in whatever it is you have to say tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would make me small and magnify yourself, that you would make me small, Father God, so that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and that your spirit would speak here in this space. And I pray, Father, for everybody who listens, that their ears would hear your voice to them that they would know that you speak to them, Lord God, in the here and the now, that that is not an ancient, distant thing, but it is a right here, right now, your voice speaking to their hearts, Lord God. Let the spirit in me speak to the spirit in your people tonight. We thank you, Father, that you are moving. We thank you that you are here, that you are imminent, that there is no distance in the kingdom of heaven, Father. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. So today, um, I woke up with the, the Seedbed Daily Text, and I'll remember to drop the link for that in, in the notes for this show. Um, I start 
the day with Seedbed Daily text. Well, actually, it's not. My apologies. It is now the Seedbed Wake Up Call. I keep forgetting that um, it has been renamed in honor of the intention behind this this series of daily devotions that JD has been doing for, I think it may be a decade now. I know that Seedbed's around, been around that long. I don't know if the Daily Text has been. Um, and the Wake Up Call has been... Uh, renamed to better describe the purpose to wake us up. Um, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and you say, and Christ will shine on you. So this is how we begin our day, with a prayer of consecration and and an invitation to awakening. Um, And my son and I do a devotion over Zoom every morning. We've been doing this for several years now. and we switched over sometime last year to using the the wake up call as our touch point where we talk to each other. So this morning, um, that that's not necessarily meant to be a plug, but you're going to hear the terms wake up call, daily text, and seed bed a lot <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, um, because I do actually listen and and read there a lot. Um, and God speaks. God speaks through JD. He speaks through the people on the Facebook group. And apparently he is speaking at Asbury, which is where Seedbed grew out of. So I'm I'm so excited to hear what happens with all of that. But this morning, JD was talking about um, the hidden life of Jesus in plain view. And as he always does, he surprised me and didn't go the direction that he that I figured he would go because what he said, he was focused in Luke five verses 15 to 16. We've been sort of following Jesus as he walks through his ministry. Um, and Luke with a couple of side trails, we do go, (laughs) go roundabout sometimes. Um, and in this passage, we'd already kind of covered part of it, but we've come to this, this spot of, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed And of course, my instinct was obviously he's going to go to the place in scripture and say, this is why we need our quiet time every day. And I'm going to get annoyed. (laughs) Um, I often feel that way when I read JD's things. And I am always so very pleasantly surprised when he goes in a radically different direction than I expect. Um, He never goes in a radically different direction than scripture. But he always seems to see something deeper than the pat things that we so often tell one another. Now, I want to be really clear here. I believe that a discipline of prayer in our lives is important. I believe that a discipline of making time for God to speak into us, making space in our minds and in our hearts to hear the Lord speak to us is tremendously important. It is critical that as Christians, we read our Bibles regularly, fully, completely, not Bible studies, our Bibles, that we actually pull out our Bibles and we read them from the beginning to the end. And we do that in multiple translations and that when we run into something we don't understand, we talk to other people who read their Bibles regularly. We compare it to other parts of the Bible. It is critical for us to understand what the word of God says. And it is critical for us to make the space and the time to be able to do that. It is also absolutely 
essential for us to spend time in prayer, both us speaking to God and listening for God. If we do not do that, then there is no space in our minds and in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to work. We are not submitted if we're not making that time, but just as importantly, we're not in relationship. So I hear I hear this example a lot, and I'm going to steal it from the 15 pastors I've heard this from over the years. God desires relationship with his people, and in a relationship, the expectation is, is that you will communicate with one another. That you will listen to the person that you love. That you will speak to the person that you love. That as it, it, so, as a married person, my husband and I, we expect to spend time with one another now and then. We expect that when we're in each other's presence, he will speak to me and I will speak to him. And as importantly, he will listen to me speaking to him. And I will listen to him speaking to me and we will make the time for that. And when we don't, things break down. Things don't run smoothly in our household. We get cranky with each other. We get irritable with ourselves. Our schedules get weird and we end up not, not being in sync. We're not working together. We're pulling in different directions. Well, I have to tell you to be real and truthful and honest. I have pulled in a different direction than God before. And he will allow you sometimes to pull in a different direction from him. But I will tell you that even if he is allowing you to pull in that direction, that doesn't mean you will not exhaust yourself because God is stronger than you are. And he knows where he's going and he's not going to stop his movement and he is not going to be pulled off track. So as you pull against God, all you're going to do is exhaust yourself over time, which is not God's desire for you. But in order for you to be moving in the same direction that God is, and in order for you to go where he is going, you've got to pay attention. And in order for you to know that he knows you, so this is a funny thing. Everybody says, you know, praying. If I pray, why do I need to pray? Because God already knows everything I'm going to say. And that's absolutely true. God already knows everything you're going to say. He knows everything you're not going to say. He knows every thought you've had. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And so it's not that he needs you to speak to him in order to know what you're going to say. But it is oftentimes that you need to speak to him so that you know what you need to say, so that you understand where you are. And it is important for you to speak to God so that you know he has heard you, that he is paying attention to what you have said to him, so that when he answers you, you actually know that he has answered you. That God moved because you prayed and he did something in response to that prayer, or he didn't. He comforted you in response to that prayer, or he moved in your heart and changed something inside of you. He grew you. He stretched you. He, God is constantly moving in the relationship with you, but you are oftentimes unaware of it if you're not in a state of prayer and conversation. And you will feel distant from God 
if you are not in a state of prayer and conversation because you will feel like you haven't talked to him in so long and he's so far away and he can't hear you and why would he even want to listen to me because he loves you but when you haven't talked to somebody that you love in a long time a lot of times it's hard to pick up the phone because you feel like you've neglected them there's guilt and there's distance and they're oh what if they don't want to talk to me because they haven't called me either God is not like us in that. God is always present. He's always right there. And so when I say that when my husband and I are in each other's presence, we expect that we will speak to one another and listen to one another. I think part of our problem as Christians is we forget that God is always here. We are always in his presence. And so it is always, always time for us to pray. And so that kind of brings me back to, to this verse and, and where it usually goes, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Um, and JD goes on to list several other verses in this, in this uh, post today about where Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray or um, he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and he went a little beyond them and prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and you see where Jesus withdraws to lonely places or he goes on a mountain or he, um, he goes somewhere away from people and he will spend the night praying or he will get up early in the morning to pray where he won't be distracted. Now that was JD's message today was not to be distracted that, that we have a struggle with that because we, we have the world in our pocket. Um, and in, the world is a really noisy place. And there are days when I want to throw my phone out the window. Um, and I want to stay off my computer forever. The reality is, is in our world, these are tools that God can use for his purposes. And I need to learn discipline, not reject those tools that have placed, been placed before us. But at the same time, there are some important things to take away from this concept of Jesus withdrawing to lonely places and, and praying. Um, more it is the withdrawing to lonely places because there's another concept in our here and now that has been really lost. And so as I was pondering this today, because God gave me the, this is what you're going to talk about, but he doesn't really tell me what I'm going to say. As I was pondering this, as I was kind of looking at scripture tonight, what I discovered is Jesus doesn't always withdraw. And I think the reason for that is because there's a purpose to Jesus's withdrawing. And, and what sort of struck me this morning is one of the passages he quoted was from Luke 9, 10, where it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now, what he's talking about here in Luke, um, what Luke is speaking of here is where Jesus had sent the, the uh, disciples out two by two. He had given them authority to cast out demons and to cure diseases and to proclaim the kingdom of God. And so he sent them out in pairs and they went out to the, all the surrounding towns and began to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people and to cast out demons and to, and to cure diseases all under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. 
And so we come to this passage in Luke 9, 10, where the disciples have returned from this very hard work that God sent them out to do. And Jesus's response is he took them away and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now, what this sort of set the stage for was what I, I, I was, what came to mind was the concept of Sabbath. And I had done a, a class on that earlier in the year, and we were talking about what it is to take a Sabbath rest. And what it says, in, it, what it says in scripture, the point of a Sabbath rest is not what we typically think of as a Sunday afternoon where we go off and do whatever we want. And we're always looking for more opportunities to rest and recreate, right? Um, there is a, a prevalent mindset in most of American culture that we work so that we can play. And the goal is the playing, not the working. And so um, this has caused all sorts of problems, but the reality is that's not how it looks in scripture. When you look at creation and you look at how God created men, he created Adam and placed him in the garden with a job. His job was to watch over the garden, to watch over creation, to have dominion over creation. And basically the Lord put people here as his representatives in creation, as his proxy in creation, and he gave them authority over creation. And with that authority came the job of taking care of it. And so God created us to work just like he works. God is very creative and he moves and he does. So we see in the six days of creation, God doing, he's creating, he's, he's doing these massive creation things where he's creating the heavens and the earth and he's creating the waters and the animals and the birds and the fish and, and human beings. And at the end of all of that, when God has completed the work, that he intended to do during that time, he rested. Now, scripture tells us that God doesn't sleep. And so there's no necessarily functional reason why God had to rest. In other words, he wasn't exhausted from his work. He wasn't weary. He wasn't, God doesn't get that. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get exhausted. He He's never gonna run to the, at the end of his physical energy um, God as God in heaven, God as the Holy Spirit and the Father, doesn't need naps. Now, Jesus needed naps when he was here in a human body, um, but God in heaven does not need naps. But he created us in such a way that we do need rest, not necessarily so much physical rest as we need time to rest in the Lord. We need time to Come to the end of the work that we are supposed to be doing and take time to observe what God has done in us, through us, with us. What he has accomplished in that work that we have been given and to celebrate the presence of the Lord in those things, his provision, um, the ways that he's grown us, the opportunities that he's given us, the even the struggles and the trials that have allowed us to come deeper into his presence. The point of Sabbath is not simply recreation as the goal of work. It is actually the celebration of our work with God during those six days prior to the Sabbath. Okay. 
Um, now, Jesus got in trouble a lot in scripture <laughs> for not observing Sabbath in the way that the Jews understood Sabbath. Uh, the Jews had gotten to this place where they didn't do anything on their Sabbath day. They weren't supposed to prepare food. They weren't supposed to walk more than a certain distance. You were barely allowed to, to tend to your livestock because that was considered work. Um, it was considered wrong for you to take care of sick people. Now you'd still do it because the idea of life, in other words, if you, it says, it talks about this somewhere. If you had a sheep that had wandered off and fallen in a ditch on the Sabbath, you would go rescue the sheep because the life of the sheep took priority over the Sabbath observation as it had begun to be observed as nothing more than ritual. It was a set of motions that the Jews went through and they had prescribed more and more things to try to protect that because it was one of the Ten Commandments. And so they were trying, this is not to knock the Jews, I want you to hear that, they were trying to fulfill the commands that God had given them the best way they understood. But in doing so, they had got bound up in the wrong things because we as human beings are like that. We miss God's point on a fairly regular basis. Um, so before we point fingers at the Jews and how awful or whatever we want to say, which oftentimes we do as Christians, oh, look at how they were. The fact of the matter is we as human beings oftentimes miss God point, God's point. Um, so Jesus would come and he would heal people on the Sabbath in the synagogue and the leaders would lose their minds and they would, you know, plot to kill him as a result of that because he was violating one of the laws, one of the very important laws of God. And what Jesus says in response to this in Matthew 14, oh, nope, sorry, it's Matthew 12, 14 is where we're going. Um, so Jesus is going through the grain field on the Sabbath. So he's already walking, which is iffy, depending on how far you go. And his disciples are walking with him and they're hungry. And so they start picking grain out of the fields. And the Pharisees, when they see this, are like, oh, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So they're walking through this field of grain. The walking's already iffy. They're hungry. And in order to fix the fact that they're hungry because they're not someplace where a Sabbath meal is already in presentation, they pick heads of grain, which is illegal to do on the Sabbath. And they're doing that in order to eat, which you're not supposed to be preparing your food on the Sabbath either. They would prepare it the night before. Um, and so you have this the Pharisees are very upset about this. And Jesus's response to this is to remind them of what David had done when he came into the house of the Lord and he ate the bread that was consecrated there. If you don't know the story, I want to say that that was, oh, I will have to look it up. I'll put it in the notes. Um, it is where David is running from Saul. I can't remember the name of the priest, but he goes to the priest and he asks him for food. And the priest tells him that the only bread that he has is the, the, the show bread, which was not allowed to be eaten by anybody but the priests. And David said that he and his companions were, were 
ceremonially clean. And so the priest handed that off to him and they ate that bread, even though they weren't supposed to. So this is what Jesus points to. Um, and he talks about how the priests are working on the sap on the Sabbath um, because they're working in the temple. That's what their job is. But they're held innocent because that is part of what they're supposed to be doing to perform their their duty and their service to the Lord and to the people of Israel. And he says at the end of what he's saying, for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there's a lot of times that here in Christian um after the cross language, what we think that means is that maybe we don't really need to observe the Sabbath um, or we shouldn't be rigid about the Sabbath. And, and you have a lot of controversy that comes up regarding the Sabbath be, and it focuses on this one verse where a lot of people will use that as an excuse to get further and further away from God. But if you combine this with looking at what Jesus has been doing, and you look at this concept that J.D. was looking at this morning, that Jesus withdrew to lonely places. He does this after he has completed the work that is in front of him. He does this when his disciples have gone out healing and casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And they've come back from the work that he's assigned them. He withdraws them to a place where they can be together and they can celebrate and contemplate what God has done in the work that they just completed. Now, to me, that sounds like a Sabbath rest. So the rest was still important. The time apart was still important. The time not by himself necessarily, because that verse right there tells you it wasn't so much that Jesus was seeking solitude because otherwise he wouldn't have brought the disciples with him. It was that Jesus was seeking time with God and he invited the disciples into that time with God with him. So this tells me that we don't necessarily need a quiet time that is just ours and it's solitary, right? We can have that time with other believers who are focused and celebrating what God is doing and has done in them in the work that he's given them. So that's one thing. Um, and it tells me that the Sabbath isn't really about a day. It's about what God has called us to do. And it is also about the reality that Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, if something happens, if, if, if your sheep runs off and he falls in a ditch, you're going to go rescue him even on the Sabbath. So shortly after this time, when he says that the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, he finds out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. That Herod has put him to death. He's chopped off his head and given his head to um, Herodias, his wife's daughter on a silver platter at uh, the prompting of her mother. And Jesus hears about this. Um, and it says in Matthew 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So this is another one of these spaces where Jesus withdraws. Um, uh, 
and you can understand that, right? So not only has he been working kind of hard at this point, but the fact of the matter is at this point in time, his cousin that he had grown up with, that he had known since the womb, the man who had heralded his coming was just beheaded and killed because of him. He withdrew because he was sad, I would imagine. He withdrew to have time to be with the Lord, to have time to spend with God, to have time in prayer. In a time of deep trouble and mourning for him, he went to a solitary place. But I want you to hear what happens next. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now the passage goes on. And what comes next is the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus not only stopped his plan to go have quiet time with God. He healed all of their sick. And then as evening's approaching and the disciples are like, okay, boot these people out because they're going to all be, you know, starving and we can't feed them, send them home so they can feed themselves. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And then he performs one of the like bigger miracles in scripture. So I want us to understand that the Sabbath is really important. It is critical for us as Christians to take time with God and particularly to contemplate the things that he has been doing in our lives, to contemplate the imminent presence of the Lord and how he has been leading us, how we have been getting off track, how he has been accomplishing things, all of the things that God is doing. It is critical for us on a very regular basis to take the time either by ourselves or with other people to contemplate the work of the Lord to take time to pray and praise him, to take time to listen to him, to take time to turn off all the noise of the distractions of the world and pay attention to our father in heaven, to celebrate his presence, to worship him, to love him and to be loved by him, to be filled by him, to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and wash us clean and rejuvenate and revive us. It's absolutely critical that we do that. But the work of the kingdom, as God defines it, not as your pastor or your congregation defines it, but as God defines the work of the kingdom comes first. We have to complete the thing in front of us. So as Jesus withdrew because he was in a time of mourning and he needed to go to the Father, he is interrupted by the work of the kingdom. He's interrupted by what God has called him to do. And he has compassion on them and goes ahead and does the thing that he is called to do. Now, at the end of that time, at the end of him feeding the 5,000 and night comes on and everybody's fed and he dismisses the crowd, he continues on and goes up the mountainside by himself. And he takes time to pray. And so we still have to come back to that, right? 
we have to come back to the recognition that we need that connection with God. We have to come back to those times of being in communion with the Father, of allowing him to connect into us. But the fact is, is God is always with us. There's never a time when he's not present. We can pray in the middle of whatever it is he's placed us into doing. And we really have to learn how to do that so that we can hear him when we're trying to withdraw into the quiet places and we're walking along that path and he plops the people in front of us that we're actually supposed to be dealing with, that he's called us to minister to or with, that he's called us to call out of the places that they are, that he's called us to plant the kingdom in. When he puts that in front of us, we have to be willing to stop our desire for a quiet time with God and listen to him in the middle of the noise, in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of the crying out, in the middle of the exhaustion. We need to be able and willing to listen then, to pray then, to be connected to God then. Because if we're only able to connect to God in our quiet time, when we get into our desolate spaces or lock ourselves in our prayer closet or climb up our mountain or whatever it is that we have made as our space that we consider sacrosanct, if that's the only place we're connecting to God, we will fail miserably at building the kingdom. Because the kingdom isn't inside of our prayer closet. The kingdom is inside of us and is supposed to be moving out through us. It comes with us into the world. The Holy Spirit is in us and he comes with us into the world and he talks to us in the world. And if we have not taught ourselves to listen for him in the middle of the noise and in the middle of the crowds, then we will not be able to function like Jesus because Jesus heard his father no matter where he went. He knew the importance and the value of resting in God. But he also understood that he rested in God all the time. And that's where we are, is we rest in God all the time. It is good and right for us to celebrate the Sabbath because God calls us, by the way, to celebrate the Sabbath. It's, it's a command of the Lord. And we should really listen to the commands of the Lord because when we fail to do the commands of the Lord, it's not only bad for us, it's a sin. And that was a, an epiphany, a whole different epiphany. <laughs> but it's important for us to do what God calls us to do with regard to making time and space on a regular basis consistently to spend with him, to celebrate him, to contemplate the work that we've accomplished in and with and through him that he has done in us, that he has done through us for us. It's important that we have that time, but it is absolutely critical that for the other six days of the week or the other 12 hours of the day or however he calls you, whenever he calls you, that we are responsive to his call and we are listening and praying in the middle of the work because that's what we need to do because otherwise you don't have the six days of work to celebrate because you've been too busy trying to do your own thing so Christians um, I'm so delighted that God is moving and that he's talking to us and I pray that he will give you rest this week 
that he will help you know when it is time for you to work and when it is time for you to be still and to withdraw into the quiet and lonelier places. I pray that he will give you wisdom in that, that he will give you grace in that, and that we will all learn better to have compassion on the crowds, to heal them, and then to feed them, and then to go up the mountain and be by ourselves so that we can go walk on water. Father God, I pray that you would bless your people tonight. I pray that you would continue to pour your spirit out in Kentucky. I pray that that would catch fire all across the United States. I pray that your people, Father God, would be pricked to awakening, that they would hear your voice no matter where they go, that they would be in a constant state of prayer as Paul calls us to, not because we're holy and have our hands folded, but because you are constantly with us and in us and walking beside us and that we have conversations with other people that we're walking beside and, and working with we should be having conversations with you, Father, as we go through our days, as we go in and go out, as we sit down to the table, as we walk by the way on the side of the road, we should be talking to you, Father, and listening to you as you speak to us. Help us to do that, Lord. Tune our hearts to you so that we will better reflect the image of your son into the world around us, that we will be able, Lord God, to do even greater things, not because we are great and amazing and awesome, but because you are, and you have moved in us to bring yourself into the world. Father, glorify yourself and let us be willing. We thank you, Father, for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, sorry I went a little long tonight. I pray that you have a blessed night.